there and welcome to Handelsbank and Insights. We're here this morning with James Sproul, Chief Economist of Handelsbank in the UK for our weekly economic update. Good morning, James. Good morning, Mariana. Okay, let's get started. So looking at the high frequency data, how quickly are we recovering? Well, this is an interesting question, isn't it? Uh, I think all of us are sort of champing at the bit to, to get out a bit more. But so far, what the data is showing us is um, that we're only really willing to get it in certain ways. If we look, for instance, at UK retail, um, people are getting back out to retail. And we'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment in terms of what's happened with retail sales and how they're pivoting. But people are doing that, but not so much to the workplace. Uh, and again, there's a little bit of a dichotomy here, which we'll discuss in a moment as well, between what people um, uh, say they want to do, what they're, they're planning to doing and what they're doing just at the moment. I took some some of the trend analysis and said, if it was just improving at the present rate, when would we get back just in London, for instance, to the level that we saw pre the pandemic? And the answer is, at the present rates of growth in terms of you know, visiting transit stations and getting back to the workplace, it's over two years. So I, I think what we really need to do is, is step up a bit. And that I'm sure the government's looking at this and, and um, ways in which they're going to encourage people to get back into the office. Uh, I noticed it's quite interesting that the government was under some pressure to say that employees had a legal right to demand to work from home, and the government said, well, we're not planning to legislate that at all. Okay, um, and employment and earnings came out last week. Any good news there? Yes, well, of course, the, the unemployment thing has been one of the things that's been a real a pleasant surprise during the pandemic. I mean, I think the combination of, of the flexible UK labour markets and the, the furlough programme have meant that unemployment has not really gone up, and it's now down to 4.7%, fell by 0.1%, so it's 4.8 down to 4.7%. Um, and given that, you know, just at the beginning of the year, we were looking at six and a half, seven percent as being sort of standard forecast. This is this is very, very good news indeed. So unemployment, not really a problem. Uh, obviously, it's a, a little bit higher than we would like. But um, given the depths of this recession, it's it's performed extraordinarily well. I think one of the other areas that's really interesting is what's happening to earnings. And this is undoubtedly going to be one of those things that um, uh, the Monetary Policy Committee focuses upon this week. They've got a meeting later later in the week. Um there, that's way up. Uh, and if we look, for instance, at um, annual growth rates, uh, it's about 5.6% up. Now, that's that's well above uh, what people would think of as in productivity. Um, and uh, the Office for National Statistics says it's a couple of things. Uh, they have what they call compositional effects. Uh, this is their, their argument that says um, because there's um, uh, unemployment and much of that unemployment is uh, concentrated to people who are low paid, if you take those low paid people out of the calculation, the average pops up. I'm afraid I don't really buy it. Uh, I just don't think that the uh, amount of surging and we've seen in uh, wage rates uh, and the not particularly high unemployment we've seen, they don't really match up. So I think there's probably an element of inflation there as well. And people might be trying to ignore it a little bit, but uh, that's certainly not something we're going to, be, going to be doing. So I am a bit concerned about just how quickly those wages are rising at the moment. Okay, thank you. And the week before last, we saw a surprise spike in, the, in US inflation. What happened in the UK last week? Yes, well, of course, the inflation data and lots and lots of people are talking now about inflation um, and there's a, a much more caution about the inflationary outlook than there was. And those U.S. figures, as you say, were, were really pretty high, uh, well over 4%. So um, the U.K. figures, nothing like as high. But uh, remember, the Bank of England has a 2% target level and they had initially, but way back in, in February of this year, thought that they would reach that towards the end of this year. Well, they've reached it now. Um, and so um, clearly it's accelerated faster. I mean, the economy as a whole is accelerated faster than people were expecting over the course of 2021 so far as well. Um, so we've got 
Um, quite a bit of concern coming forward on, on inflation. Much of that, of course, is going to be over the next year because partially we've, we're seeing some of the base effects, which is to say you're measuring today's inflation against the numbers of a year ago. And obviously a year ago we were in the middle of the uh, first lockdown and so the numbers are very poor. So that does give you some inflation. Um, and the other thing is, of course, the what I call the, the, the frictional effects. So um, lots of businesses aren't fully up and running yet. And if you've got a lot of consumers wanting to spend a lot of money, you end up with um, inflation coming through there. And that may be part of the reason why we see weekly earnings go up as well, because um, if you're trying to attract people into your business, because all of a sudden you, you have a lot more business, um, you, you end up paying a bit more for that as well. And I think that's partially inflection. So all these are undoubtedly inflationary uh, elements. And the, the question becomes one of, uh, are they something we should worry about in the longer term? Uh, and the question, the, the jury's out on that. Uh, but I don't think it's uh, something we can we can assume that there's not going to be a problem, just as we can't assume that it will be a problem. Um, we have to see how uh, all this money creation manifests itself in the medium and longer term. Mm. Um, we also saw UK retail sales data last week. It seems people are pivoting where, they are spe where they're spending their money. Can you tell us a little bit more? Yes, absolutely. So um, retail sales, of course, are looking at people buying stuff. Um, and, but that's not the only place that we all spend money. We also spend money on, for instance, going out to restaurants and things like that. And what we can see is a pretty clear pivot. Now, retail sales above, uh, uh, as a whole are above the level that they were in 2019. They're above the level that they were last summer when we did have that uh, brief period of sort of not very, very much locked down. Um, but they did tick down in the latest month. And I think that most people are seeing what, what's happening here is um, people are spending a little bit less money on stuff and a little bit more money on uh, going and enjoying themselves um, with socializing. And I think that that's pretty, pretty normal. We were always expecting that. Um, and so whilst the markets as a whole had expected retail sales to slow, we're not, we're not particularly alarmed about this. Uh, if we look at the, the individual parts of it, uh, clothing sales a bit down uh, as well. So um, in general, um, this is, I think, indicative of a pivot rather than any problem uh, within uh, consumer spending. Okay, and uh, I know you have views about the ultimate amount people are going to be able to work from home in the future, and the go government released some data on what, what's happening now. What did they say? Well, I, I think this is very, very interesting. Um, so the working from home data, uh, it shows that the amount of working from home is declining. Um, so if we look at three different things that people could be, we, people are either hybrid, i.e. they're working from home, but working from the office part-time. Um, that, that sort of hybrid model, that's remaining really pretty stable. Uh, if you look at people who are working from home, uh, the amount of working from home is declining, just as the amount of working in the office is going up. It's not really completely supported by the uh, data that we saw coming through from Google, um, but that's certainly what the, the uh, ONS's surveys are showing. They also showed another couple of things, which I think we probably intuitively know, but it's always good to, to see uh, it brought through in the data. One is that uh, the, the better paid you are, the sort of the more professional your job, the more you're able to work from home. That's clearly uh, comes out in the data as well. And if we look at well, what are the biggest advantage and biggest disadvantage of working from home, uh, the biggest advantage is uh, a work-life balance. And the biggest disadvantage is you don't get to talk to colleagues and bounce ideas around. I think that's what we would have expected. Um, but it's, it's very, very marked that those are the two extremes um, in, in terms of pluses and minuses. Finally, the UK has, has signed a big trade deal with Australia. What's happening to post-Brexit UK trade? Well, yeah, I did some work uh, looking at, at the, what the, the balance of trade and what's been going on with all of that last week. Uh, first of all, of course, the UK signed an enormous number of rollover deals, as they're called, 
uh, which is to say um, the UK went along to um, various countries and said, you had this deal, which, which included the UK when we remember the European Union. Can you please just roll over it on present uh, terms and conditions and um, uh, get that free trade agreement through that way? Now, that uh, seems like a relatively straightforward process, although there was a good deal of scepticism that, that, that the UK could pull that off, but we, we have, um, and we've gotten something like 90 countries through on that. But the Australia deal you referred to is really important because this is the first one that's from the bottom up. It's a complete free trade deal, and it's going to be more comprehensive than the sorts of free trade deals that we have typically negotiated when we were part of the European Union. So I think that's some very good news. Um, it is a very, very long transition time, 15 years before we fully open the markets up. Um, that's because, of course, and one of the problems is with trade deals full stop is that the pain, i.e. that the companies or the, the sectors challenged are going to be um, relatively vocal about it. In this case, it's, it's a lot of uh, farmers worried about Australian beef uh, exports to the UK and the consumers who will gain a little bit. But if you ever have acute pain for one sector and small gain for everybody else, um, um, so I suspect we're going to see more trade deals coming through, um, but we'll see a lot more of this type of trading. And, and if the government has to take a very, very long term approach to it, I suppose that's that's just what they have to do. The other thing I think it's interesting to notice that the, the trade moves in slow cycles and those slow cycles are going to be um, panning out over the long period of time. And so whilst I can look at right now and, and, and see that uh, UK um, imports from the rest of the world have now exceeded those from European Union, I expect that to reverse in coming months. What I think is more important is the longer term um, branching out into um, global markets and where the UK can make good use of its competitive advantages. I think there's a, a very, very bright future. Okay, many thanks, James. Um, all very interesting once again this week and look forward to speaking to you again next Monday. Thanks so much.